Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Innovator Chronicles podcast. I'm Emily Watt, the new head of innovation for BP's trading and shipping business. This is our fourth podcast in the series where we interview innovators, entrepreneurs, and startup founders who've had the courage to go with conviction of their ideas, sharing their experiences, personal journeys, industry views, and visions for the future. My background is in banking and financial services, so I have a lot to learn in the energy space. Meeting the fascinating people that I do on this podcast series is one of my favorite ways to get up to speed on all sorts of topics. On that note, I'm delighted to introduce our guest for this episode, Rob Genezer, Managing Partner at ETF Partners, the Environmental Technologies Fund. Rob, welcome, and thank you for joining us on our latest Innovator Chronicles podcast. Hi, Emily. It's great to be here. So let's kick off. You have been quite entrepreneurial throughout your career and you've worked all over the world. From your lifelong love of tech to managing one of the first environmental funds in Europe. Tell us about your journey and how has it led you to where you are today? Well, I love that question. I get asked that quite a bit. You know, what I'm always excited about is my career has been both exciting and fun, I would say. And I think if you focus on the entrepreneur, you have these great opportunities in life. So I started, as you said, in the 90s in Asia. I used to work for Morgan Stanley out there, and it was a fabulously interesting time. This is when the Asian tigers were really getting going. I had the pleasure of working on the second IPO onto the NYSE out of China. And frankly, I fell in love with the entrepreneur. I wanted to work with entrepreneurial businesses and the people that were supporting them. I went back to HBS to get my degree. And on the way to Asia, I went through Silicon Valley. And the tech revolution was really starting to take off there. And I thought, wow, it would be a lot of fun to combine the two. My interest in entrepreneurship, my interest in working in technology. And so I became a venture capitalist, started investing in companies in the Valley. And then when JP Morgan came along and they bought my old firm, Hamilton Quiz, they asked me to move to Europe. So 20 years in Europe now, investing with great entrepreneurs. And uh, as I said, it's been a lot of fun and incredibly stimulating. Awesome. I guess one follow-up in terms of your appetite for change. Seems like you've always been welcome to new roles, new locations, new everything. You mentioned the tech revolution. Do you think it's things like the tech revolution that spawned you to, you know, with the confidence to go after these changes and new opportunities? Or was that something that was kind of baked in from a young age? I think, frankly, it comes down to the individual. It comes down to one's personality, ultimately. It is about trading off risk in the pursuit of opportunity. And you have to decide what defines you. For me, I was always very curious to, to see the world, to invest in different places in the world, to try to have an impact through the entrepreneurs I was backing. That's part of the reason I'm one of the managing partners of the Environmental Technologies Fund today. We're all about sustainable investing. And if you go back 15, 20 years ago, everyone said, you know, what is that? And it was a bit of a risk to go and start this and embark on this journey. But, you know, we thought the opportunities were big. That's really proven out. And not only, I think, are we having a success, but we're also doing something very positive for the world around us. I think one should always chase one's own ambitions, one's own dreams. And if you can do something positive for those around you and so doing, that's even better. So let's talk a little bit more about the fund then. ETF is a sustainable investment fund with the slogan, sustainability through innovation. What is that all about? And I know you talked a bit about it, but what really sparked that move into sustainability from the get-go? Probably spent a bit of time on how we got here is, is pretty important. If one is a successful tech entrepreneur or an investor in the Valley, why would you ever go off and do something like this? And so I think you have to have tremendous belief that the world is gonna to continue to change and change in a positive fashion. So when I entered Silicon Valley, it was all about investing in an enterprise software company in the mid nineties. All of a sudden I was part of a communications technology revolution. It seems obvious today, but you know, wireless technologies, that might be big. 
optical technologies, that might be big. And obviously that's the backbone of our, uh, our communications industry today, and it's a very big industry. Then came the internet revolution, social media revolution. So why not an environmental revolution? I mean, that's the basic thesis behind it, which is you'll see more and more interesting waves of change. And if you take a bit of a risk, there's some massive opportunities there. The other thing to reflect on is why do this in Europe? And I think Europe actually has a big advantage compared to other parts of the world. Because if you look around, Europe is leading uh, when it comes to sustainable change. And whether you start with governments whether you're on the left or the right of the aisle, you understand the urgency around coming up with solutions to address climate change. To large corporations, they're some of the leaders in the field of adopting, again, sustainable technology, sustainable solutions. And finally, the average person in the street is very interested in making the world a better place. So if you're going to start up an environmental technologies fund, Europe is a pretty darn good place to do it. That's why we launched it. You know, the, the slogan on the tin is actually very important here, which is we believe that innovation is ultimately going to solve some of the big problems. We need to have a big step up in terms of the types of solutions. Evolution is not enough. We need some revolutionary technologies to come through to help us address some of these major challenges. And it's usually the entrepreneur that's willing to take that risk to address those big problems. And so that's why uh, we believe that ultimately a, a number of these companies will have big success. I like that. I'm going to keep that revolution, not just evolution, bit with me. So related question, when we think about bigger companies and what's happening right now, there's a lot of large corporates across all industry, BP included for sure, making a very public commitment to the energy transition and a sustainable future. What do you think of all of that? What do you think of the timing? Is it too early, too late, just right? And um, no doubt there will be challenges, but given that you've been in the space for quite some time and seen that evolution and that revolution already play out, what's your advice or what's your take from all this? We certainly need large corporations as part of finding solutions, right? So the idea of, of keeping them at arm's length or not engaging with them is kind of silly. For our, our particular businesses, they're really important because quite often they are groups that we can partner with to get our solutions to the market very quickly. So if you take very large corporations, usually they have a global presence, they have a sales force, they have capital that can really accelerate some of the businesses, uh, the early young businesses that we're fostering. So having partners that are very large companies is very, very important to us. Uh, I think the challenge for large companies is how do they work with small businesses? That's not easy. The behemoth that are large energy companies, how do you work with a 30 to 50 person group? And I think that is where the challenge starts. But we also need them for a very different reason, which is venture capital is judged on returns. You know, we have to build these companies, promote these companies, and then we have to find exits through the IPO route or also through strategic acquisition. So our, our job is to get them in the hands of the bigger companies that they can do some very positive things with these young startups. What I would also like to see is that those large companies continue to push those technologies, those solutions forward, as opposed to kill them. Certainly in the past, if somebody came up with something quite clever that was challenging an existing business, you could either use that and do something very positive with it, or you could get rid of it, hoping that something else won't develop very quickly. So I think it's also slightly incumbent on us is that when we find acquirers for our businesses, we find good acquirers that can take the business to the next level and also worry about all the stakeholders involved, those early customers of those businesses, the people that work for those businesses. Large corporates have a role to play, and we have to find the right ones to partner with. You're so right, and I completely agree on the other side of this, being at a large corporate and working to partner with startups and you know, early stage companies to bring in cutting edge tech solutions in this energy space, but also in a broader fintech space. So 
it's so important that we get the model right, that we make it possible and you know mutually beneficial for both sides to make these partnerships. It's learning by going for sure. But I do think over the past few years, big corporates, and I've been at a couple doing this now, are learning from you know some past blips and, and getting better at it. So more of that to come. Anyway, back to you. We talk a lot about failing forward, experimenting and taking measured risks to learn and grow. What are your perspectives on failing in venture capital? Surely you'll have a view on that. Yeah, I, I, failure is part of our business. Uh, we have to recognize that, we have to accept that, we have to learn from that, and we have to move on. What you hope to do is that you recognize early, focus down on your winners and cut the ones that aren't working. That's part of our business. I, I think a really good venture capitalist is batting one in three. That's an amazing statistic. That means one time out of three, they really get it right. We have to understand very quickly what's working and what's not and make sure that we continue to put good money after good companies and recognize which are not working. I do think though that to focus just on risk and failure is, is sort of missing the point. We also need to focus on what's the opportunity. One of the things strangely that held the German VC industry back for many years is they used to call the industry risk capital and they were focused immediately on the risk. I always thought it should be opportunity capital. You know, think about what we can do, what the possible is. And when you get that right, hopefully you generate very large returns, hopefully have a very big impact, which again is important to us in our case, that more than makes up for the difficulties along the way. So as I mentioned, we're an innovation team and part of what we do is identify and partner with startups that can help solve problems and capture opportunities in our business, like you say. One of the ways that we source ideas is from VC, VCs such as yourself. So it'd be really great to hear about a couple of examples in your portfolio that you're happy to share with us. And there are a few that are directly in your world. And then also maybe go forth into some of the new areas that we think there's going to be tremendous change and where change is needed. Maybe focusing on one that's specifically in BP's wheelhouse. We have an investment in a company called Deep Sea Technologies, which is a fascinating story about two folks that, that more or less grew up together. One went to Cambridge, one went to Oxford and became real experts in the world of AI. They went back to Greece to basically set up a business around the world of ships. Wow, this is pretty neat. You know, you've got some real innovators who understand a cutting edge technology and they can help to work to transform what has been a very uh, traditional industry. And so from the inside out, we're trying to change the shipping industry. And near and dear to my heart, we can track the CO2 emissions from those ships. And so that's really important today because very large charters around the world are demanding these ships reduce the amount of CO2 that they emit. And, uh, you know, a lot of corporates are pushing to become carbon neutral. So if 80% of the world's goods goes through a ship, you better understand what's going on with those ships. We think we have a very special company. We think that's also potentially interesting to large energy companies like BP for two reasons. One is you're actually worried about what uh, is fueling those ships. And then you're also uh, thinking about in your own way how to reduce the CO2 content of transportation. I think the stretched imagination is that not everything is in the world of energy. So, you know, we have another company in, in the portfolio called Phoenix. And what Phoenix does is they create the software to allow the large uh, supermarkets, or in France, the hypermarché, to distribute the waste food before it goes off. So wouldn't it be smart to take that food, that excess food, the food that's about to expire, and hand that to charities, hand that to poor people, hand that to farmers that can be using that for good, or maybe waste to energy plants. So they've set up a whole network around making sure that that food goes to people that could use it. 
So that's a neat business. And then uh, Emily, you asked for one more. I was thinking of our company tomorrow in Germany, and that's a fascinating story. So we've heard a lot about neobanks and people have different views on that, but certainly uh, uh, the traditional incumbents are, are now challenged by these emerging digital players. But wouldn't it be wonderful if you had a neobank where all the assets that were there were used for good purposes? So investing sustainable projects around the world. And there's certainly a large portion of the uh, populace, particularly in Germany, that wants to see their money do something good. You know, if you look at, at the German demographics, I think something around 20% of Germany votes for the Green Party. So there's a huge base of people that are very interested in sustainability. They're wanting to do something positive with money. And a group like Tomorrow, which sits there managing those assets, is in a very interesting place to both be successful commercially, but also to have a big impact. I love these. I'm going to take as an action to check out Tomorrow today. Thanks for sharing that. So we like to end our podcast with a quick fire round of lighter questions. There are three. So number one, what is an organization that inspires you for their work and innovation? So people are going to be shocked by what I say, which is the NHS. Yeah, the NHS is, is really impressive the way they've been pivoting to deal with COVID. And, uh, you know, one of our companies in particular is actually helping them to uh, figure out where COVID test centers should be located and to schedule tests at those centers. And obviously the NHS has a new challenge, which is uh, making sure their technology is set up to administer vaccinations. You have to really admire that organization because they have embraced technology to deal with a crisis, which many saw, but sadly, nobody really prepared for. Couldn't agree more. Second question, what's one of your other passions and would you ever start a business in that area? I love to surf. I go surfing with my son quite regularly. So there are actually some new startup called Wive that I've been looking at more for fun than anything else, where the guys are creating a sustainable surfboard. And uh, I thought that'd be fun to run a business like that in this day and age. Sadly, I have a day job. And so to hang out on beaches and create surfboards is probably not what I can do this week. I guess your day job is the next best thing, though. I think many people listening to this will think it's pretty cool. All right, last questions. We always appreciate a good book or film recommendation if you have one. If we were still on the uh, uh, surfing uh, motif, I would recommend Barbarian Days, which is the greatest book ever written about surfing. But the book I just read was The uh, Last Kings of Shanghai, which talks all about the uh, Sassoon family and the Kidori families, you know, Jewish immigrants that went to Asia really to rebuild their lives. I thought it was a fascinating story about, uh, again, entrepreneurial success, how you build businesses. And also the, the families were different. I think the Kadori family deserves a lot of credit for really ingratiating themselves in China, so much so that uh, you know, they're continuing to be a very strong part of the community out there. It's a really interesting novel. It's got both history and entrepreneurialism, and it's a great read. Fantastic. It's been such a pleasure having you. Thank you for giving us your time and look forward to talking to you again soon. Have fun. <laughs>